Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Glaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live, the live edition of our weekly podcast where we review and, well, in this case, just review the big matches in Australian <laughs> rugby. I'm your host, Ando, and with me tonight are regulars, Mitch. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you're, you're uncertain. You don't know what it's like to be back here after the technological <laughs> failures of last week. And Rev, good to see you, mate. Get involved. I want to get a solo one out there. So, Mitch, we are super excited to have you tonight, mate. You were able to overcome the technology gods, and may they forever be in your favour. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. Hopefully we get through. I don't know if I'm coming through loud and clear or not, but we'll see how we go. We'll get through it. Mate, we're confident. We're confident. So as a quick reminder to everybody, this show is interactive. This show is nothing without you. So please make sure you get involved with your questions, comments, and banter throughout the show. This is going to be the last pick and drive live that we do for at the very least a few weeks. So it is a great opportunity to hear your voice and have a bit of fun as we recap the rugby championship and the awesome tournament that it was. So what are we going to be doing tonight? Tonight we are, as I just said, going through the rugby championship we're then going to be doing the best ofs you know what it means to try the tournament the player of the tournament and the team of the tournament so make sure that you get your hot takes and opinions ready to go because we've got some controversial picks we've got some controversial things here and we would love to see your opinions throughout tonight's show so rev why don't you start us off my friend we are going to be heading now into the recap of the rugby championship Let's go through it because this was a great rugby championship, uh, especially for the Wallabies. But I think just in terms of the overall um, uh, the overall spectacle, I think Queensland was able to put on a great show with it all in our time zone. Like that's a real first for Australian fans. So to be able to see all these games come through at such a nice time worked out really well. Um, but the fact that the Wallabies were able to string together four wins in a row is really impressive. So over the weekend, uh, we were lucky enough to see a few different um, – I guess styles a game, one that sort of ebbed and flowed and one that was a real barn burner. We got the uh, 31-29 to 29 win for the Springboks over the All Blacks, which most people are calling the game of the year. It's going to be pretty hard to top. Um, but I think, you know, there's been a few other ones we'll talk about when we get into the other parts of the show. Uh, but the Wallabies also beat Argentina 32-17 to extend their streak to uh, four wins on a trot and actually gifted Argentina their best result of the tournament with a 15-point loss and the only time they scored more than one try in a match. So, you know, I guess that's somewhat of a silver lining for them. Uh, we could go through and look at the best results for all these teams because, you know, New Zealand were able to win 39-0 against Argentina. Um, Australia were able to beat the Springboks 30-17, to and massive achievement against the world number one ranked team. And South Africa, despite two massive wins, I'm sure they'll be taking that New Zealand win to the bank because um, that just had a bit of everything. So the overall log standings, uh, we can see that really big gap there with Argentina at the bottom. Negative 135 and no bonus points makes this their worst ever rugby championship without debate. Um, plenty of asterisks and reasons, but not a great turning for them. Uh, the Springboks, they saved a bit of face at the end on the scoreboard. They've got three wins, three losses. Um, a lot of South African fans quick to point out that two of their losses were only by two points. So they actually had quite a good season. Um that one loss to the Wallabies probably sticking out as the big blight. 
Australia surpassing all expectations with four from six and New Zealand disappointed with five from six just goes to show the caliber of team that they are. Um, and again, as we look at that, for those watching live, the points differential, um, the fact that we won four and still have a negative three points difference just goes to show we are conceding too many points against New Zealand. And that's going to be the next thing that we try and uh, I guess remedy under the running era. But all in all, I think a really uh, successful and impressive rugby championship. I think most fans outside of Argentina would be pretty happy with what we saw. I would agree. And we've got this great comment in here from Jason Sherman arguing that all, t- rug- all Wallabies tests must now be played in Queensland. Rev, you'd be pretty keen for that, wouldn't you, mate? I would be, especially because I time things really poorly. I barely uh, had the chance to get to Suncorp very much this year. So I'd love to keep that going and uh, get some more games there. Um, and look, we do have a lot to discuss with all this, but I thought just now that we've had a bit of time for the dust to settle, we gave out some scores uh, for all of these teams last week, and roughly it was an 8, 7, 6, and 4 to New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and Argentina, respectively. Um, I've definitely had a little bit more time to sort of process some of the scores and go through them, but Mitch, I'll throw to you first. Is there any update you want to give to your scores? Because I know you had the 8.5 to nearly 9 for New Zealand because they were quite good. Yeah, I think I'll stick with that. Um, just as we go back and look at New Zealand's performance, they did lose that last game, but overall they only lost it by a few points and they very well nearly came through with a clean sweep. So they'll be happy that they wrapped the tournament up pretty much by round five. They didn't even really need to play round six to win the comp. So um, by all measures, that's a good success. If you don't even technically need to play the last game, you can lose the last game and still take out the trophy. So. I would I would love to be in that position. I do think that's one of the more interesting things is that they don't get the trophy once it's been confirmed they've won. They only get it at the end of the competition. So you could be, you know, on the end of a hiding but still walk away with the trophy. And I think it shows a bit of a mixed emotion. Um, and were there any scores that you wanted to change or you thought needed editing? Part of me thinks that South Africa... I don't know if six is appropriate or if it's a little bit generous. I mean, they handily beat Argentina in their first two games, although Argentina were pretty poor in those games. Um, we scraped through, well, not scraped through. Yeah, we did scrape through the first win. And then mm-hmm. we had a pretty, pretty significant win in the second match. And then they matched up fairly well against New Zealand while still not playing at their absolute best. So... I'm wondering if six is maybe a bit too harsh now that the dust has settled a little bit more. Uh, maybe I might bump that up towards a seven, uh, but either way, um, it's a six or a seven in my mind. Uh, a couple of good comments coming in here. Douglas Gardner has added, I've seen eight internationals in one year without traveling more than an hour from home and all five all of these games are wins. What a great year. Well done, <laughs> Douglas. That is so good. Um, Hugh Tyndall hates you, Douglas. He <laughs> so just, just be aware of that one. Um, Sheepy is suggesting like from the movie um, 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 up where they get all the balloons and attach them onto the house. I wonder if we should be doing that for Suncorp. Just basically rip it up, shove it where the SFS was and have that be the kind of centre of rugby within Australia. That'd be fantastic. Um, So I'm not too sure how you'd feel about that one, Rev. Yeah, there's just something about that Milton soil. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same anywhere else. But um, look, I'd be all for it because I've been to Sydney Football Stadium. It's a great stadium, but I mean... We just want to have the same record as Suncorp, don't we? Um, 
I, I do like that Pick and Drive Live is bringing people together and tearing them apart. I do like to see the hate coming out from Hugh. Um, I think we need a healthy dose of that every now and then between the lots, so nice work. Um, I'm just going to make one edit to the scores just because I think um, I, I think we might have been, you know, a little too kind to Argentina. Um, too you know, kind. Four, too kind. I think <laughs> a four... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a team that beat the All Blacks and drew with us twice last year. They only lost one Tri-Nations game last year. And it does make me think, um, while it was going to be hard to replicate that, that's, you know, they were really far from replicating it. They were really quite poor. So, um, yeah, I'm, I won't strain to the negatives because, you know, they oh. had some issues. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's got to be down, to, I'm going to say like two, two and a half, Um you know, even the fact that they managed what six tries or so in six games, like they they really just weren't setting things a lot. Actually, it might have even been less than six. It might have been five. Um, the only reason why I say that is because they had to use a lot of their young players, but at the same time, I don't think it was really a great um, exposure for those young players. I don't think we saw any real uh, quality options stepping up that are ready to take that next step or that were, you know, probably going to be test regulars now that they've had this exposure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop them down to 2.5 from my own perspective, but I, I can sort of tell by the the size that that might not be agreed upon, but that, that's, that's all right. I'll, I'll keep that to... <laughs> what do you think about Chippy's comment there, Rev? Aren't they quite different? They are. Um, and to be fair, they've had so many changes. We harped on about their front row and how that's just markedly different to what they had last year. And, you know, it is sort of won and lost um, up front. But I also think, look, teams that are so dependent on just having those few players are really struggling. And I say that knowing that Australia have been in that position and, you know, probably still are if we lose a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we just saw without Sanchez and without um, Cubelli just running the show in the halves combination, as good as Bertrand was at times, like I think he had the third most tackles or something in the comp. It was something ridiculous. He had crisp passing, but they just don't lead the team the way around um, the others do. And so I just think, it's a massive shame that um, they are missing some of those players, but at the same time, you know, every team had five top tier players that were missing. Like look at New Zealand missing four players that had captained their side. Like that's, you know, no one was doing it tougher than them and they made it look pretty easy. Uh, so while we can't compare the two nations, I, I think it is um, still a bit of a gulf between what they probably wanted or expected. Yeah. I think part of sure. what um, I, I believe we've learned in this is how challenging the last 18 months have been for particular nations. Now, I don't deny that Australia and New Zealand, so the Wallabies and All Blacks, have had it tough. But when you look at the challenges that we as nations have had to face compared to places like South Africa, um, they're, they're just on a different scale. And so I think that the enforced travel on top of the isolation, the bubble, the being away from family for such a long period of time has really, really impacted particularly South Africa and Argentina. And that's not to say that the Australian New Zealand players haven't had impacts as well, but they're closer to home. And I feel yeah. like there is some difference between being an Australian player in isolation within the country of Australia versus mm. being an entire continent away from your family and having to engage in different time zones to even be able to talk to your family, see your children, that kind of thing. So travel has been really, really difficult. And whilst I agree with you, Rev, Argentinians were very, very poor. We can explain a lot of it away, even yeah. though that doesn't change the fact that maybe a two or a three should be a more realistic um, uh, marker for this for their championship. 
I just had to be a little negative because we normally reserve that for the Wallabies, but there's nothing to be negative about. <laughs> we're on top of the world, so I was just trying to, you know, distribute that somewhere else. Um, but look, as we're saying, there's so many great moments of the tournament, so let's run through some of our favourite things. Uh, we'll start with the trial of the tournament, if you want to run us through that, Mitch. All right, so we've got quite a few, uh, I guess, candidates for try of the tournament. Um, and I don't know if we've decided which one we like the most. We put, we've put them in order so far. So we'll have we'll have to hear from you, our fans, which one you think's the best try of the tournament. But we're starting off with this nice little piece uh, by South Africa that was scored over the weekend. So if you want to roll that on, Ando, and it's only the last one that we think is the best. The others are in no particular order. Okay, so it's the last one then, as Ando yep. just said. Great little pickup and offload there by Arm to Delende to go over in the corner. The part that I love there is how the um, South African rush defense, right when we get to about here, you see how that umbrella defense is pushed up in the face of the New Zealand attackers, even though this is a counter-attacking opportunity and you would expect the All Blacks to have better handling and control. It just shows that they are fallible. And if you can push them and pressure them enough, they can make mistakes. And in this moment, South Africa were good enough to capitalize on that with just that lovely offload from Lukanyo Am. And a lot of a lot of the the spiciness from this try comes from his offload around the back, no look pass, right? <laughs> so he just gets the, the turnover and then oh straight oh yeah. that's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Okay, so that's one of them. Do you want me to head to the next one? Yeah, let's go to the next one. So next one, I believe, is Kellaway's tr- juicy try of from the weekend as well. Beautiful set piece play by the Wallabies. Wade Cooper, the man, finds Ikitao, who similarly finds a fantastic offload to Mr. Findaway, who dots it down. Mm-hmm. I believe this is his third try of that game. Uh, no, so, he had a solo try where he busted through the defense kind of on his own. No, but so this was the hat-trick. third, his hat trick, wasn't it? No, I, th- I thought he had one more coming. Either way. Anyway, either way. Fantastic try. It's Australian, so it's got to be up, it's got to be higher up there somewhere. If not first, <laughs> second, third. There's a really good article on the Raw by Nick Bishop looking at the way in which the Wallabies have been improving the play off the um, back of malls. And so basically having I'll show I'll show it one more time. So you've got Falau, Hooper comes around, gives it to Falau. And hopefully I've paused at the right point. You can see Valentini running onto it here. So for an earlier try in the match, Valentini is the one that gets it, busts through and then offloads to Kellaway mm. who scores the earlier try. But in this time, what they do is they use the threat of um, Valentini running onto it to then play it out the back to Cooper, who with some horrible marking there from 14, he should have been out one more man, um, is able to exploit that space that Valentini's made everyone condense it in together. So that's a really cool try to watch. And then Ikitao as well sucks both those defenders in and gets the offload away. Which is fantastic. Yeah, look, look at that. that. Look at that. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if Kellaway doesn't go over, we've also got is that right up on the top yep. of the screen? Tommy's also going to score yeah. as well. So again, really good trend by the Wallabies is it's not just one player that's put themselves into space. There's two or three options there that are going to potentially score that try. But before we go on, um, do not fear your token force oh, fan is here. Thanks, so Simon. Good. good to see you, mate. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for thanks for tuning in, Simon. Good to have All you. Right. Uh this is the Karevi try. The Karevi try. That's right. So this is earlier in the game than that last one. And fantastic. Just charging on into contact, making meters in contact to get over the line by Karevi. No one's going to stop him from that far mm. out. 
nice little wrap little around play with Nick White, Quade Cooper, and then finding Karevi. I love the positioning of Pattaya and Kellaway out there as well to just put doubt in the minds of defenders because either of them could be getting the ball. You've got Pattaya, who's a pretty good strike player, and Kellaway, who'd just been running right that game already. So it's like three options that Cooper could have picked. Yep, fantastic. So that's the third option I think we're up to. So now we're in the fourth. And this has to be, this is my number one of the tournament. So we'll find oh, out sorry, why in a moment. Jumpy peeps. Taniela Tupo makes a barnstorming run, commits a player, gets the offload to Marika Corabetti, who runs through into space and scores. And it, it wasn't just so much that Taniela Tupo was the one that was involved in this and he's such a great player and we all love him, but it was the fact that this was the try that sealed the victory for the Wallabies in this game. It got us that far enough ahead that South Africa realistically couldn't come back into it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, look, there's so much to say. I am of the opinion that that is just completely, completely unnecessary. The the little kind of like palm <laughs> under underhand pass. Like, why? Just just pop it. Just pop it. But I do wonder. I do wonder if uh, Nell is probably not too happy that we're we're highlighting this and showing it because this is this is grounds to be removed from the front rowers club. Surely, <laughs> you you shouldn't have hands that skillful being a prop. All right, last one, Mitch. And this is this is Ando's pick for try of the year we will uh we'll ask you our fans as well to get in with your comment but this is Sevilla's try from the weekend Bowden Barrett breaks the line straight through a few tackles to Yuani who then finds Sevilla in support and just looks directly at the camera there's a great photo if you've seen this one from the other side when Sevilla's in the middle of the swan dive which is great as well um just perfection like you couldn't have scored a, a better try Everyone's doing their part. Everyone's in motion. Everyone's supporting and in the perfect space, waiting for the offload. And uh, they get the chocolates at the end of it. So good. So look, I'm going to defend myself because I feel like I'm about to get attacked. Um, I, I don't know whether that's just a normal feeling I have or whether it's specific <laughs> to this moment. But my my read for it being the best try of the tournament is because of the intensity of the South African defence that they they had been demonstrating within that game, but particularly the moment I'll just I'll just highlight it right about here where Bowden Barrett has this kind of unders line that he runs and then steps off his left foot to get into this gap here. So you've got Sia Khaleesi and Dwayne Vermeulen that are trying to cover that gap. And you see this nice cheeky little block here from Akira Yuani um, on Sia Khaleesi. It's pretty, pretty hard to track, but it's just an awesome level of commitment from the forwards, but also for the pace and agility of Bowden to get through that gap. Then Rico Yuani's ability to stay on his feet in that contact and then get the offload away to um, Adi Sevilla was just absolutely incredible. So that's my call. Um, Hugh Tindall disagrees disagrees with me, but Sevilla's try was a poor man version of Kellaway's first. Yep. Delivery off the line is as clean and only BB's crazy feet get them through the line and in behind. But that's my point. That's mm. my point. It's a crazy feat that I love. Although I do really, really love um, the... Kellaway's try. Kellaway's try. I think that's class yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, so does your mum, Mitch. Uh, best try has to be any try from Kellaway. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks for watching. Kellaway, he's, he's got to be it, right? I think everyone loves him in Australia at the moment. Anytime he gets the ball over the line, it's try of the season. Every time. <laughs> 
Mark Morris chucks it out. I vote the Corumbete try partially because every pass involved in that phase is from a forward. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Although it has to, be, uh, has to be finished off by a back. Yep, Hughes rebuttal already. Typing quickly, mate. Hold on. Uh, lots of great individual skills, but not a perfectly executed set piece. Um, yeah, true. Carlos, true. front rowers with silky hands are the reason why I wake up in the morning. <laughs> not your wife, mate. I'll tell even you. Better when they, even better when they come from <laughs> Queensland, right? Um, the Corumbete try has to be it. Okay. What else have we got in here from the fans? So, guys, let us know which one you think. But, okay, you know my opinion. What about you guys? That's tough. I mean, looking at those, I think the Callaway one is easily the most um, silky. It's streamlined. Everything there just goes so smoothly. Like, that's the kind of thing where I look at and think, oh, that's a set piece how it's supposed to be. That's what, you know, forwards coaches look at and train for, and that's what they want. But in the moment, the one that stood out so much was the severe try at the end. I think the fact that Springbox's defense is a thousand times better than Argentina's. They didn't have those gaping holes. You know, Australia did well to execute them, but Springboks were lined up perfectly. New Zealand had to apply so much pressure and do everything so well, I think, just to get that. It relied on brilliant from Bowden. It relied on brilliance from uh, Rico Iwani. tackles were there in there as well, though? And they're forcing that, though. Yeah, like that, That's the beauty. Yeah. Like, those Springboks are renowned defenders. They're in the right spots, and yet the All Blacks were like, well, no, we'll just go through you, like, because we can. And there's nearly nothing that sums it up better than as uh, Sevilla's like diving over the try. The person he's getting past is Evan Etzebeth, the biggest person on the field, probably the biggest person in the tournament aside from Tupo. I just thought that was – it summed up a really nice sequence. And to me, in lifetime, that was the most impressive. And the fact that he got past uh, Willie LaRue as well. Well, I mean, that. that's the easiest part of the job, isn't it? He's a yeah. bum. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm voting for the Corabetti slash Tupo try. You know, Tupo's he's forwards connecting that well, scoring tries again against the Springboks, not just Kellaway's try that we scored against Argentina. Mm. So the fact that we had Corabetti making that break, but also the fact that it was Tupo that set it up with players on the outside. If Corabetti doesn't finish it off, we've also got Flafayango, I think, that was on his outside as well. So for me. Ford's doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing and it's coming off perfectly and we love to see it. We really, really do. Douglas Gardner agrees with uh, you. The Corumbete try has to be it. Jason Sherman, not think, I think he's forgetting what a try actually is. He believes it's Quaid's <laughs> penalty after the 80th to win That's it in Oz versus pretty fair. game one. I mean, we are, we're re- if with that comment, we're really going back to the roots of Australian rugby, right? Or not Australian rugby, just rugby in general that, you score a, um, a, a try and you don't actually get any points. It's a try to get points by kicking it at the at the post. So technically, <laughs> it is a try to score points. How good. Well, the straws, there's some history we'll for you. There's some history for you. Yeah, Hugh's comment there is um, that, that's something that we overlooked and is definitely one of the contenders. And he's right. Jacobson swanning over wasn't the impressive bit, but Bowden's flick to get it out to him. Whole, like that was 20 metres. It couldn't have been better placed. Um, for me, that's probably tied with Elton Yanchi's drop goal for moment of the tournament because that was just, yeah, real impressive stuff. But again, uh, drop goal's not that impressive. I've just got a bit of a, a man crush on Guys, just remember, we're an Australian rugby podcast, and if it doesn't, if the players doing it aren't wearing green or gold. Yeah, sorry. But mostly gold. Let's make it Callaway's try then. Let's make it Callaway. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> um, 
Simon Nelson argues that Krevi Cooper tries surely, showcases attacking structure, the Wallabies, the best. Uh, Cooper going flat, Corrin wrapping, Pattaya adding extra men, drawing defenders, Krevi's in step. Mm. Yeah, look, it's gold. We absolutely love it. And you know what the great point is? That we have so many good tries to talk about, and a few of them are Wallabies tries as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just wonderful to consider that. Carlos reckons it's Marika's try. It's the first one that was allowed this year. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> yeah. Now, my favourite... Sorry, guys, I've got to say this. My favourite comment that's come in so far, Steve Lenthal, surely the try of the tournament was the Pumas trying to get back into Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Oh, I was had to contain my laughter when I read that whilst you guys were chatting. Um, so well done, mate. Well done. Uh, do you guys think we're okay to go on to the player of the tournament? Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's get into it. Okay, let's get into it now. Um, again, guys, people in the, in the uh, that are viewing, listeners, please let us know the players that you think are the players of the tournament and don't inherently just pick Wallabies players because we've done that. You don't need to. <laughs> so this was a pretty hard um, thing to be considering. And look, for me, it had to be about consistency and impact within the games. So one of the really key players that um, we have been discussing. And Mitch, I might throw this to you to kind of unpack a little bit more was Quade Cooper. There he is. Look at that. Look at that handsome devil. Uh, Mitch, why did you think he was a really strong contender for player of the tournament? Well, I just think he was so momentous for Australia when he came on and he he led us to that victory against South Africa in that first test. Uh, Didn't, Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him play against the All Blacks earlier in the year, and who knows if we had what results we might be looking at. But since Cooper's been involved in the, the Wallabies, we haven't lost a game yet. So that we we need to be aware of that. And just the fact that he's straightened up our attack, he's linking really well with our outside backs. He's just making that whole back line look 10 times better than they were uh, with Noel Alessio there. So the fact that he got us... Uh, over the line in that first game with that kick at full time and then led us really strong in that second game. He really could cruise home in those Argentina games because he sort of had set up the players around him to to really gel off him a bit better. Um, but in terms of like a player that's had the most impact on one of the teams in the tournament, we can't go past Quade Cooper. I think that you could um, very easily take that and <laughs> still be wanting to fit Samu Karevi into the discussion somewhere there. And so that's why I think this picture that we've chosen is so fitting. Rev, what impact do you think Karevi has had? And was he up there within your player of the tournament calculations? Yeah, I mean, Karevi was definitely in our discussion for it because he just provides that, that threat that no one else in that back line currently can. And I really thought Basami was going to be the next version of Karevi, but we saw that it's just chalk and cheese at the moment. Like Karevi is just attracting defenders like a magnet. Everyone has to come and, uh, you know, try and prepare their best to get them. But he's still getting past people. He's still uh, beat the most defenders of the competition. Uh, he's making more carries than I think any other back in the competition. He's just doing all these things that we haven't really had people being able to do um, in that Wallabies jersey. And... The shame really is that we didn't get to see Lola Seo play with him because I wonder, you know, how much of his brilliance stems from just, you know, that sort of uh, Nani Lamape, Manonu style of don't worry, just give the ball to me, I'll take care of the rest. Or if, um, you know, Quaid's combination with him previously at the Reds has helped that. But, I mean, Karevi's experience is invaluable. And I nearly hope that we have to play Scotland without him just to see, um, 
if we can fill that gap. I mean, I'd love to have him there just so we've got a better chance of winning. Um, but I, I just think he's been invaluable to the team. Yeah, and a couple of comments that have come in. It's easy for Quaid to make the backline look good when you've got Sami Karevi outside of him. Uh, Simon Nelson, cue the stat man. Rev, he'll tell you it's <laughs> Form 12 in I the world. I did throw a few stats in, yeah. Um, he And I, I agree with that. I think he is Form 12 in the world, and I, I love the discussion around how, you know, players say you need, you know, five to six um, players that are, you know, up there for a World 15, and I think Karevi definitely is one of them, and I think we've got a few others, so just... As we try and develop that, I'm really excited. Uh, you have been corrected, though. Lola, see you and Karevi play together in Perth. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to say that they hadn't. I just want them to play together more. Oh, there we go. Okay, good yeah. clarification there. We've all um, forgotten Perth, haven't we? Like, that's just been burnt out of the memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Sheepy is very, very hopeful that Super Rugby teams are falling over themselves to give Quaid a contract. Um, we've got Rob Ski jumping in, reckoning that it's Quaid. Jason Sherman reckons it's Quaid and Samu. Uh, so before I show any more, I th- what I'd like to do is just jump on to who uh, my pick was. And I think you guys were pretty agreeable with this decision as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Cool. So my pick. I can't is... even remember who it was. Oh come on! Andrew <laughs> so Andrew Kellaway, um, he in my mind had the biggest impact, and maybe that is because I wasn't expecting it. If that's to be totally simple, uh, very very simple and basic. Um, there are other players you can consider: Quade Cooper, Sami Karevi, Michael Hooper. You could be arguing Geordie Barrett. Um, I'm just trying to think of other players from other teams as well. I thought Sia Khaleesi was immense across the series as well. So there are some really, really quality players. But for me, he has scored seven tries. That's more than double any other player within the competition. And so that's in and of itself an incredible achievement. But not all of them have been gimmies as well. They have required him to be in right position, right time, a couple of them busting through tackles and getting over the line. So finishing it off well. I just think, for me, he is my player of the tournament. Um, we've got Tim Foster as well agreeing. Got Smokey, who I'm pretty sure is Simon Nelson's alternate account. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, Sevilla was unreal to be there. He we'll was. take the views, though. We'll take the views, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, Hugh Tyndall, what's Hooper got to do to be in a discussion? Hands down, he'll get the John Eels medal. So The problem with Hooper, the problem with the Hooper is he's so problem? good. No, like the fact he's so good all yeah. the time that he has to somehow do something ridiculously amazing, like score seven tries by himself in one game for everyone to go, yeah, Hooper's the best. Which is because exactly he's just consistently what, so good. Which is exactly what Douglas Gardner said here. Shout out to Squidge for reminding us that the superb skills of Hooper and Khaleesi are so consistent, we stopped noticing them. And that's mm. the thing. Like, to be honest, before um, Hugh Tyndall said, what's Hooper got to do to be in a discussion? I genuinely wasn't considering him because he's just so good. I expect him to be that good. Yeah. We've had the discussion in our group that Hooper could have a 7 out of 10 performance and people will think he's, you know, not on the field just because, like, that's the standard that he sets. Like, he is just that good that if he's slightly under par, it's still probably close to being the best in the team. You know, he, he definitely, um, John Eels contender for this year. I think he should get it. Uh, more importantly, I think he should actually get World Player of the Year. I don't think I've seen performances this consistently fantastic from him. Um, so, yeah, I, he's definitely worth a shout. But 
as you mentioned, Dando, like just the fact that Kellaway's got more than double the tries of anyone else, I was shocked to see no player, um, I shouldn't say no, one player has got more tries in a rugby championship than him. So Brian Habana couldn't get more than him. Julian Sevilla couldn't get more than him. These are superstars of the game that had peak years during rugby championships. And Kellaway still has as many tries. The only person that got more was Ben Smith in 2014 in a year where New Zealand were just dominating everyone. Um, and he's got eight. But, I mean, the fact that he's in the conversation with players like that in his debut year is, I think, testament yeah. to the work Kellaway's done and, I think, no worry, worthy of player of the tournament. <laughs> we'll next year. And he could still break that um, most uh, tries in a debut year. Was it Izzy that had the record of 10? Yeah. Um, Izzy Folau. And so he's got four games that he could potentially be playing in to get the remaining at least two tries. And so yeah. with his current strike rate, he statistically should get it. That's how that's hat trick. Yeah, I hope it's a hat trick against England. Just get it out of the way, <laughs> man. Get the win. Oh, That'd be yeah. imagine That'd be that. Best. All right. Well, a couple of final things here. Um, one from Carlos Hoops. He's definitely changed order fans. Um, with their views on his captaincy, completely agreed. Uh, Rev, why don't you now take us through our team of the tournament? Sure thing. So we were looking through um, a few different articles and seeing teams of the tournaments, and we weren't really happy with any of the ones they put together. We thought we could do better. Um, and I'll say we have. I think, you know, we, we've <laughs> come up with a way that involves... Um, yeah, it's a bit controversial because, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth on a few decisions, but we... Um, we came up with one that we could throw to Twitter and get some of the fan involvement as well and just see what the people on Twitter think of the players and give, you know, some of the options. So to do that, um, we sat down and wrote out what we thought the best starting 15 was from each team. Um, so I picked Argentina's, Ando picked South Africa's, and Mitch picked New Zealand and Australia's. And we just sort of had a bit of a look at them and thought, um, okay, well, these are the ones we can put to a Twitter poll and see how do people react? Who do they think stood out amongst those options? Um the good thing was a lot of the teams um, sort of picked themselves, especially South Africa, because they didn't have too much uh, rotation. Teams like New Zealand did have a lot, so it was interesting trying to see who would make the cut there. Um, and some teams probably didn't have a standout position. Like, for instance, the Argentinian right wingers, none of them really did much of anything. I think there was one defender beaten from the right wing in the whole tournament. Um, so pretty pretty poor. Um so it was interesting trying to decide that way. We thought that's a nice, fair way to get um, proper involvement from all teams and a bit of representation. Um, in terms of close selection calls for that, there were a few interesting ones. Um, and I might leave this to uh, Mitch to discuss his decision. I think you know which one I'm talking about. What was the <laughs> controversial call and, and why why do you think it was uh, warranted? Because there is decent reason. Yeah, so the controversial call is that we didn't include Taniela Tupo as an option for fans to choose as the number three or the tight head starter in the the fans 15 because we view, well, I view him as a, a bench option. And I think we saw, particularly from his last two games of the season when he played against Argentina, that when he started, he just didn't have the same impact. He wasn't having as many big runs. He dropped a little bit more ball. He was still winning penalties at the scrum, but he probably wasn't winning them all. Uh, so for me, I still think that he generally has more of an impact on games when he comes on uh, in the second half and is, is, a, is a finisher. So that's the reason that we had him as our, uh, what do we end up calling it? Super sub or game changer? <laughs> yeah. Game breaker. Uh, yep. as, game breaker, yeah, as an, as an option to come on and <laughs> it's unacceptable. <laughs> uh, 
I love that. Even though um, we defend our decisions with uh, rationality and what well-considered opinions. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. <laughs> and it was so funny because, why. yeah, like th there was good reason for it. And um, look, I, I didn't agree with the truth, but at the same time, there were so many people and positions that we could have um, argued over and tossed up. And I, I do kind of like the idea of, just sticking a team out there because none of the calls I think were atrocious. Like they're all you know, grounded in some logic and it creates a nice bit of discussion and we could see just based off some of the comments. Um, I think Red Roberts started his own Twitter poll underneath the tight head prop <laughs> yeah. option for two posts. So um, it, it was nice to see that sort of engagement. Well, the, um, the hardest part of all of it was that it takes a while because I, I was the one that posted it. It takes a while to scroll through and, and write them all. And Tupa was last. So people, by the time that they got and seen that we were starting to do it, they were like, there's no Tupo. They've completely forgotten him. <laughs> These guys don't know what they're yeah. talking about. It's like, no, he's coming. He is coming. He's he's an option. We just haven't started him. And, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many um, things that we're just sort of playing around with with the Twitter poll. I'm sure we'll um, we'll include Tupo in the next option. I mean, he's he is a freak, but needless to say, he does make um, an aspect of the team. So we, we can go through some of the teams that were picked. We'll go through yeah. the fan picks. Let's get and... let's get it up. Let's see what people thought. Nice. And, and look, I like uh, this team. I think the fans have done a pretty good job um, picking this side out. And it'd be interesting to see who the tight head would be if Tupo was an option. I do get the feeling he might have usurped Malherba, but a front row of slipper marks and Malherba is very formidable. Um, Ritalik and Diego, again, you've got one of the enforcers. You've got a really sturdy line-out option. Um there's not much to argue with. And the one that a few people have contended is the Khaleesi Hooper severe back row, just because I guess you could argue they're all open sides in a way. Yep. Um, but when it comes all down to it, too. all captains. So it's, it's a great team to have um, you know, just in terms of making leadership decisions. I think the thing that comes down to um, whether this is worthwhile or not would be, was there a genuine blindside option that you'd rather have starting in this team? Um, and for me, I guess I was close to considering Akira Ioane, but um, Khaleesi had a better tournament than him. And I'd, I'd be very keen to see that back row operate. I don't think he'd lose out on much of anything having those three as your uh, back row. Uh, and then how nice is it seeing all that gold in the back line? We've got pretty much the Wallabies back line, except with Jordy Barrett at 15 and Rico Ioane at 13. Um, getting some nice reward for some of the elder statesmen of the team, I think. Between White, Cooper, Karevi, Corinbetti, and Callaway, I think they're all older than 26 or 27, aren't they? So that's, that's a nice mix of um, experience coming through for the Wallabies. Look, what we need to do here. now, this this is go. a very exciting team, and we really need to start petitioning World Rugby to see this rugby championship combined team play off against the British and Irish Lions. Oh, can you imagine? Or even a Six Nations combined team. That'd be yep. really cool. Love well, that. Uh, the Lions, right? The Lions, yeah, right? true. Um, let's just quickly go. Yuani at thirteen. Do you not want Kellaway <laughs> to get the ball? Yeah, well, that is a bit of a thing. Um, we were choosing the best players and the best in their positions that they played the most in. So you can't pick kind of Yuani at eleven. Mm. Um, but also Kellaway has demonstrated he goes looking for the ball enough that that's not a huge amount, a huge issue in my mind. Well, both uh, both of those wingers do, don't they? Yeah, both of them do. Um, we've got here Hugh Tindall <laughs> stating that a back row isn't winning many lineouts. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I yep. feel like Hooper gets thrown up into the air like once every three or four games. So if you just spread that out across all three, <laughs> that they all get up maybe once a game. Well, to surprise yeah. How often is Hooper actually in the lineout? 
Yeah, good point. Well, yeah. no, he's in the back of it always, um, just doing that little pop pass. So, yeah. um, no man. ball carrying. You'd have to have Tupo just to give you some carry. Look, I respectfully disagree with you there. I think we've got some pretty damn good carriers in that in that team. Um, even if you're just trucking, like utilizing Karevi and Yuani as the backline strike players to get the ball up, I still think mm. that'd be pretty effective. Um, uh, Hugh Tindall identifies as well that all. Um, Captain Back Row, Smoky Clouds, Hooper and Khaleesi and Severe is Hulia. <laughs> oh, I'm loving that. <laughs> and, and good point, isn't Hoops a winger? That's a very good point. We it's saw true. that within the last game, so maybe he is. Um, should we move on, Rev? Yes. Uh, so for people wondering, that was the voted team, the one that went to Twitter. Uh, we're going to have a look at the one that we sort of combined with our uh, three preferences um, and we did try and keep it to the same standard that we'd sent to the Twitter poll as well. So we wanted to make sure that um, with the options sort of, you know, elicited that we were picking from the same parameters. Um, and we came up with a team that I think encompasses uh, the majority of all that. It's pretty similar to the uh, fan pick team, but we'll just go through some of the changes. Um, is that coming up on the screen? Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, I have it up on my screen, but not everybody else's screen. <laughs> it's all right. No, I was going to try and recall it all off the top of my head. I'm like, I don't think I can. Well, who did we pick? All righty. Um, so from this list, uh, we've got uh, Trevor Niakane and Alan Alalatoa as two of the changes. And I think between Niakane and Kitschoff, they were both real um, dominant options for the ring box. So I don't think there's really any... Um, issue with rotating those ones around. And James Slipper is an option. I mean, even Angus Bell was a solid option. There really weren't too many bad um, choices, I don't think, for the Bluesheads spot. Malcolm Marks, I mean, I don't think he started a test in the rugby championship. He might have got one against Argentina, but uh, I just thought he had a great campaign. So I, I think it makes sense having him there. And Alan Alolotoa, I think um, we just kind of wanted that gold jersey in there. We wanted Tupo, so we thought, well, let's just get his uh, his starting option. And he, he had a good campaign while he was there. Um, this isn't to underdo the work of the others because I think really Tighthead was one of the most tightly contested spots. Franz Malherbe is the hardest person to shift in a scrum. Nepo Lalala had his best season to date. Uh, Santiago Medrano was one of the rocks for Argentina. Uh, we picked the same locks, same back row, same halves combination. Um, really, the only difference to the back line is Len Ikatao at outside centre. Uh, and I think most of the reason for that was that Ikatao was this uh, outside centre in my team and I had Rico Ioani as the left wing um, just because I thought his better games were played there. But because that wasn't one of the options, Corabetti retains his spot just because he was um, better than George Bridge and Buffelli and the other options provided. But again, I think... Um, the team does a good job of showing the amount of Wallabies in there. Not that it's an inherent bias from us, but that the Wallabies exceeded all expectations and they did really have some superstar players. Their backline looked the best it's done in ages. So um, I think it, it's great reward for this team that they're getting this representation, not just from us, but from um, pundits from New Zealand, South Africa, all across the globe. Yeah, and the good thing is, like, I, I agree, Mark, in that some of our choices are green and gold tinted goggles without without yeah. without a doubt we are influenced by our <laughs> love of the wallabies um but that being said there we, we were a little bit constrained as we mentioned by some of the um restrictions that we put on ourselves in regards to players that we picked so we had said that taniel tupo was a better had better impact off the bench in our opinion and so therefore um we couldn't have him start. We also had that disagreement about whether or not Rico Ioani was a 13 or an 11. 
Um, so I meant the Ikatao kind of slid into that position. Um, personally, personally, I was pushing a little bit more for Bowden Barrett at 10 over Quade Cooper. Um, and like as Hugh Tyndall argues here, um, if Smith and Moonga had played, you wager they'd been a nine and ten, and that's that's a fair enough statement. But the the amazing thing is the All Blacks were so strong even without two players of that caliber for mm. the vast majority of the rugby championship. Um, now a good question here from Tim Foster: Where are the Argies? Nowhere. Nowhere to be seen. Uh, we had Smoky Clouds arguing potentially that Montoya should have been hooker. Uh, I think he was the best Argentinian of an incredibly poor Argentinian team, but he mm. wasn't better than Malcolm Marx. Even though he played more and he looked better than everybody else, he's still not better than Malcolm Marx, in my nah. opinion. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I don't think he's even better than Cody Taylor. Um, I, I do yeah. respect the idea that he was in contention. I think between yeah. him, Guido Petty, Medrano... Um, Kind of Buffelli, uh, Rodrigo Bruni. There were a few options that were like genuinely considered, but um, the Argentinians had a bad campaign and he was part of that, unfortunately. Yep, I agree. Um, so there's so much, there's so much, so many questions coming in. So I'm just thinking there's some of us that have been uh, arguing, some people that have been arguing in the commentary about whether or not Argentina should have got a player or not. Um, <laughs> we... Yeah, I know. How interesting is it that second and third place get more players in first place? I was thinking that when we put this together. But what I mm. think that actually does is it speaks to the quality of New Zealand that in many yeah. ways, whilst they didn't have so many incredibly standout players, they just are such a good unit and a good team. Um, and yeah. the ability that they have as a team outweighs the uh, individual performances that they had. So although they were good, they weren't at the same level that we were oh yeah and jason sherman kind of speaks to that point um wallabies in south africa had better players but new zealand had the better team mitch and i think new zealand are consistently like we were talking about hooper they're consistently of that higher level that we all expected them to get pretty much six from six in this competition and the fact that they went five from six and really they were very close to getting that last victory we're not surprised by that whereas the wallabies overperformed in some ways, the Springboks campaign came in from a low point and then got better than the fact that they finished on a high point. So the storylines of both, or the other two teams probably outweigh the All Blacks. And overall, as a team, they're much better than the Wallabies and South Africa. Or better, maybe not much better, but they are better. Uh, but that's because as a as a pack and as a as a team, they're better. But individually, they're some of the players that really stood out for the other teams. Yeah. I think just on that, like New Zealand also changed the most. Like they used three different loose heads, uh, three different starting hookers. They had a different back row combination in five of the games. Um, you know, like they had a lot of changes and a lot of movements. Even in um, that left wing spot, Rico Ioani only played two of his games there. Anton Leonard Brown was constantly being shifted out. And Severus or Will Jordan could have taken the spot, but they only played three games there each. You know, the amount of New Zealand rotation probably affected their results in this yep. just because we didn't see them as much as the Australians yep. and South Africans who are pretty locked in. Yep. And I think that's what Hugh Tyndall is speaking to here as well with um, because of those changes. It's hard to say that the players are best across the whole tournament. Uh, yeah. Mark Morris um, speaking to the fact that New Zealand d- developed chemistry really well. Big part of why they could rotate and cr- like crazy, at least in the short term. Uh, Jason Sherman's question: Would you trade Hooper for Marks? Rev, yes or no? No, no. But I'll trade anybody else for him. <laughs> what about uh, Willie Leroux? Oh Jesus! What an easy <laughs> offer. 
um, Dave Shilton's asking, based on this dream team that we had up before, would you say the Wallabies' main issues were in the forwards and at fullback? Um, for me, I think there's still some work to do within the forwards. Our set piece is still too inconsistent. Uh, the scrum the scrum held up, mostly. Uh, I think that our line-out was too inconsistent. We had some some really good payoff against the RGs on the weekend, but there were also just some really poor line-out uh, line throws. Yeah, and I think the to first highlight the, the two positions, it's probably fullback and hooker at the two positions that we really hopefully come back from this next spring tour with a real idea of who's going to be nailing that jersey down next year. Yep, that is that is the hope. Um, and then just because I want someone to agree with me, Dave also <laughs> says 100% Ando Barrett has to be in there and New Zealand have the best 9-10 combo in the world. Yeah, with Smith and Malonga, they do, not with TJ and Bowden Barrett. Um, so, guys... That kind of is bringing us to near the end of the pod. So the final thing that I was hoping that we could just briefly chat about before we finish up is the spring tour. So we are heading across to Japan. It's going to be uh, the next match. Let me just quickly get up. 23rd of October. Yeah, thank you very much. That's good. That's the weekend. That's two days before the year 12s come. No, all the students come back to my school. Um, So... (laughs) That's, Thanks uh, for telling the world that, Ando. We really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, mate. I just got that as like D-Day, you know? It's like, oh, my God, the crowds are coming. Um, so I've got that in mind. Um, so with that, the word on the street is that we're going to have a lot of the kind of fringe players or the younger players that are going to be left at home for this tour. So we're going to have Noah um, Harry Wilson, Fraser McWright, etc., left at home because they've had long international seasons with the Wallabies. And even if they haven't got a huge amount of game time, the thought is that they would benefit from just some time off, time at home and time to be in a full preseason with their super rugby teams. So if we're making the assumption that a lot of those younger players are going to be at home, one of the questions is, who is the boltiest bolter that you would like to see bolt into the Wallaby squad for this spring tour? And it can be an Australian-based player or it could be an overseas-based player that would join up with the team once they reach Europe. Now, know that you can't say Latu, Arnold, Arnold and Skelton because word on the street is that today, um, from well, the word on the street today is that they are going to be included definitely within the squad. Um, so who do you think is going to be in the squad? We'll start off with you, Mitch. Boltiest bolter that's ever bolted. I've got two. <laughs> uh, so for the Australian-based player, which is we were talking about this before we went to, like, to air and you didn't throw in the, the international one. So for the Australian-based player, I'd love to see Dave Parecki get a shot from the Waratahs. I ah, thought he had yeah. a pretty decent... Uh, different decent year for the Waratahs from a pretty poor year for the Waratahs. So uh, we still haven't got a good idea of who our best first choice hooker is. I think Dave Parecki has experience. He's played a lot of rugby over in Europe, so he's going to be influential in that regard. Uh, and the other player that I would love to, to pull in from overseas, and it's probably going to be pretty hard to do so, but um, I, I'm going to get the first name wrong but I'm going to say Lewis Liner. I can't remember if he's the young one that's just joined Queensland or he's the older one that's playing for England. I think Lewis is playing for England. That's the one I mean. So Lewis, bring him in from Harlequins, give him a Wallabies jersey and um, Eddie Jones can have a cry in the corner. (laughs) Yeah, I do like that He's already in the England squad right now though. That's why I was saying that we have to be like stealing him and and cutting contracts and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
Okay, so we've heard yours. That was Parecki and Lewis Liner. So pretty yeah. interesting. Um, let's go with Rev. Uh, one of the ones I was going to say is in the comments, so I'll save that one. But I think if we were to get someone from overseas who would actually service the team, um, I don't expect him to be in there, but I would be delighted if he was. Uh, Luke Morahan, I think he full, uh, fits the fullback role really nicely. Uh, his experience, he's got a few caps, but his form for Bristol's just been um, chef's kiss. And the fact that he is in that back line with star-sided options like uh, Charles Pietau, it's like a dream run for him. Like He's just been made to look great, but I think his skills have really complemented a attacking uh, threat team like that. So with Karabi and Corin Betty, I think he would do the same for the Wallabies. Yeah, that's a really, really good call there. Um, so we've got some really interesting comments that are coming out here. Uh, for me, it'll be Luke Morahan as well. I was thinking that from an overseas point of view. Um, from a an Australian perspective, um, I would love to see, and this isn't really a bolter, but it is kind of considering his injury form, is Izzy Parisi, who yeah. Smokey Cards reckons will bolty bolt his bolts. And there, is, there is talks that he's on the already. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So the Waratahs apparently exciting. have brought in extra cover for training for this year because they're expecting Parisi to be on the spring tour. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Uh, Sheepy reckons that we should be bringing Campisi back from the commentary team <laughs> as the bolter. Um, so that's sure, an interesting not? one. Can't uh, it, right? Dave Chilton uh, reckons that the bolter should be Ed Craig from Eastwood. Craig. And then, uh, he, flo- he throws a great line out. He really he does throw a great line out. Good line out, but he did struggle when he w- went down to the Rebels in, t- in terms of had one turning game, around quickly. He? So, yeah, one game. Um, Man, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him get another gig in Super Rugby, but he's back at Eastwood um, for this season. Yeah. So, who else have we got? We've got Jason Sherman reckoning that Mac Greeley for Reds players. I like one. it. Yeah, another one. Mark Morris. Another reckoning one. Keep it coming, Isaac Mark. Henry. Yeah. Keep I, it coming. Next year, I think Isaac Henry could have a big year next year. And really yeah. be pushing for that extended squad, at, or if we bring back Australia A, perfect Which opportunity. Might yeah, for him. Yeah, may well happen. Uh, and Douglas Gardner is looking forward to the contest for nine and ten. We're in an unusual position of having several great options. I think all the players, if they were given an extended run of a couple of games, could show some incredible form. I think Jake Gordon's probably the one that suffered the most from being in and out of the team a little bit over yeah. the last kind of nine games or so. He had a good run in the. Uh, France series, but um, Tate McDermott's form after that has kept him out. Uh, but I, th- I still think he has a lot to offer. And 10, like the fact that Lulis- Noah Lulisiu is not going on tour, according to the news reports today, is some people are reading that as a fall from grace, that he's kind of out of the good books of the Wallabies management. But I think that it's absolutely an r- incorrect read of the situation. I think that's a young player, go home. Have some rest, be with your family, do a preseason with your team, and you'll be in our picture next year. Um, the thing that I absolutely love here, and I kind of just want to end the show on this, we have been going for 55 <laughs> minutes, yeah. is uh, Ryan Lonigan for Bolter. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But he's so, already in the squad, so it's not a Bolter, is it? Oh, but he hasn't actually played a game or got onto the bench at all. So well, I think we don't know that, uh, if any of the bolters will get a game. But, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. But anyway, Ryan Orlingan for Bolter and he'll clutch the winning penalty against England at Twickenham. <laughs> You've heard it here first. On Fantastic. that note, 
on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we need to finish off now. I should finish off now. So thank you so much for being here tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like we mentioned earlier in the show, this is going to be the last pick and drive live for a little while. We still have our regular podcast coming up every Monday or Tuesday morning at 6am. But just know that we will be back later on uh, when there's more internationals to be chatting about. Cannot wait to do that with you. So thank you so much for being here with us. Have a great evening and we will catch you next time.